You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. On Sunday morning and, and share just a little bit on uh, a, a ministry that God has entrusted to them. They, they, they're doing a Facebook ministry, and, and it started out very small, and I think it started with Robert uh, doing a prayer on, in the morning, and because God has given you a platform, there's a lot of people that, that you're in contact with, you started to, to do this prayer uh, on Facebook, and people, they loved it. And I'm not going to go into everything, because I know you want to share I want you to share some of the things that entail that. Um, but before we go there, this service, I want us to kind of tweak what we did first service. And first service, we're going to say, why didn't you say that when our service? Um, but what I want to talk about right now is give us a little bit, Robert, about your past and what brought you to Christ. Um, give us a short version. <laughs> wow. That's hard, huh? <laughs> the short version. Well, I was uh, growing up, well, we grew up together in uh, Lordsburg, New Mexico, as you can say. I know I heard a lot of, uh, sorry to hear that, Rob, you know, yeah. and all that, but they love you, bro. Yeah. Anyway, I could tell you stories about my, my uh, good friend here, but we are gone with the past. Yeah. We love the Lord, and let me tell you that uh, as a kid, I was a bad kid. You uh, were. You were a very bad kid. I was a bad kid, and it stemmed into my adulthood, and I, I just did all the wrong things. And it's not because I didn't have parents who loved me and raised me properly. It was because I just took that choice and went the way I wanted. And not until about, about 17 years ago did I realize that, that something was wrong. And uh, I got invited to Las Vegas, Sin City, New uh, not New Mexico. No. So it New Mexico. Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada. And, um, of course, their first cousin had passed away, so we were supposed to go out there and pay our respects. But m- the only thing on my mind was party, gambling, rock and roll, you know, the normal things in my life. And uh, there, I really didn't, as a matter of fact, I think I had told Cynthia, you know, she's going in the ground, you know, and she's gone, and there's nothing we can do for her now. And that's how really how bad I was. But anyway, make a long story short, like you said, the short version. Pastor James came and he uh, asked me, he told me he wanted to talk to me about God. And I kind of told him, I didn't want, I don't want to hear about God. As a matter of fact, I hadn't seen Pastor James on a regular basis. We were best friends, but when he became a Christian and started coming into Christianity, I kind of just stopped going near him or around him. You guys know the stories. I didn't want anything to do with him. You know, he wasn't doing the, the wrong things anymore. So anyway, he spoke to me and uh, he witnessed to me that he said, you know, give me five minutes. And it turned into like four hours that night. And God was tugging at my heart. And the next day at the funeral, believe it or not, is where I received Jesus. And um, if you can get saved in Las Vegas and no condemnation where there are about 200 Catholics and a priest that's upstairs, then you, then you can get saved anywhere. Anyone can get saved by Jesus. So I gave my life to the Lord, and I 
promised him that I was going to serve him the rest of my life, and that's why I'm here today. So let me, let me um, kind of inject something here. When Rob says with Catholics, we are definitely not against any denomination. Absolutely. It, it's, there's Christians everywhere. Amen. Every, every denomination, and Robert is, is very uh, forthright about, about that. Um, it was that we came out a, of tradition and you pay your dues, but there was no relationship with Jesus at that time. And then there, and, and Robert actually, let me say this, when he gave his heart to Christ that, um, that weekend, we stopped at Hoover Dam on the way back. We were following each other. And he said, do I need to leave the church where I'm attending? And I said, you, you certainly don't have to leave. I don't even want you to leave. God is going to direct your steps. And that's what we need to know, that God will direct your steps no matter where you're at. It's not about where you attend. It's who you relationship with. So, so that was, uh, I wanted to kind of yeah. inject that. So, so I was a born-again Catholic for three years. Yes. And they didn't know what to do with you, right? They had no idea. He would go to the front row of the, of the Roman with Catholic Bible. Church with his Bible saying amen. And while everyone was going, what is this guy doing? Is he on drugs or what? So, no, you were before, huh? Yeah. yeah. I was, but it was amazing, and, and the priests and the deacons and everybody around were just like, of course, you know, you got to watch what you say, and the last straw was the uh, priest told me I couldn't bring my Bible to the front of the church, and I was like, well, I think that'll be the last day I'll be at church, because the Word of God is important to me, and again, Jamie said there's no condemnation, because I had a good time, and I, and I love the Lord, Amen. I love the Lord there, and I love the Lord here. Amen. Amen. So, Thank you, yeah. Rob. Okay, so that's Rob's kind of short story. There's a lot to it, and uh, I'll have him share it one of these days because I believe that God is going to have him come here a lot more and share. Um, but I want Cynthia to, to, to talk a little bit about her uh, background and how she came to faith because, Robert, this happened in Vegas, and then six months later, you came to faith in Christ, but you had been praying for, for Robert, and you wanted him to become religious, because mm -hmm. he was just a scoundrel, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a right. bum. Yeah. <laughs> a vato loco beat him up. Yeah, all of the above. All of the above. So go ahead, Cynthia, and tell us a little bit. Okay, so um, I grew up in uh, my dad, and my dad was you know, no condemnation again, Latino. My mom was English, Swedish, blonde hair, blue eyes. My dad was very macho. And um, <clears throat> make a long story short, there was a lot of abuse. Um, my dad abused my mom physically, mentally, and very dangerously. So, um, you know, my mom had her last straw when my dad had punched her in the stomach and caused her to have a heart attack. So she divorced him at that time. Long story short, he, she won us in court. He took us from her, beat her up again, and sent us to New Mexico. He stole us, actually. Sent us to New Mexico with an aunt to live with our grandmother. So they would try to mend things. She'd come back. Same old thing would happen. He'd beat her again. She'd be off with the cops to the bus station. Um, the cops escorting her. Escorting her to the bus station to go back to, her, her, to Utah, where she lived. So, um, you know, basically I had built up a lot of anger in me and my thoughts were always, you know, no man's ever going to tell me what to do. Um, you know, no man's ever going to touch me. So I somewhat despised men in a lot of ways. And I also um, would tell women, dump him. You know, that was like my main word instead of trying to help them, you know, with their relationships. 
Um, so anyway, you know, those are the kinds of things that I endured as a kid. I have since then forgiven my dad and my mom. They're two different people now, um, you know, and so I love them unconditionally. You know, what happened between them was between them. So basically when Robert got saved in Vegas, I had, you know, we had had major issues that stemmed into our relationship. You know, I was the abusive one more than he was. Um, I would do the most horrible things when I would get mad at him. But, you know, there was a lot of jealousy, just, you know, not, not a good relationship. So um, I had had my last straw when we had a fight once, and it's a long story, so I'm not going to go into it. Um, but the cops ended up coming. They took him. I went to a friend's, and my kids had seen it. My oldest was three, and Danae was a baby. And I said, this is it. I can't do this anymore. Something's got to give. So I had prayed for him to become religious. Well, you got to be real careful what you pray for because a couple months down the line, he got saved, and I thought he was crazy because <laughs> he was telling me, get my Bible out, get my Bible out. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> you know, so we got the Bible, and then needless to say, God led us into our ministry, which is very, very awesome. And there's so much to tell, but, you know, we don't have all day today. So, yeah, but I got saved six months after he did. I gave my life to the Lord, and ever since then, it's just been awesome. So, so you never looked back, and, and I want to I kind of insert some things as we move forward. So when they got saved, they worked at the state capitol, both of them, and they, uh, they did a, a special on people that have been, been impacted by God on the religious page in the Arizona Republic, and guess who the poster couple was for that story? So they wrote a huge article on the Arizona Republic about people of faith, and we went to Promise Keepers that year when there was 50,000 men at, at, uh, at uh, Glendale's Arena. Uh, where do they, no, I'm sorry, at, uh, wherever they play, the Diamondbacks. America yeah, America West Arena. They change it every couple years. So I, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, so we were there, 50,000 men, and there was one woman in the audience. And that was a journalist from the Arizona Republic that was with Robert writing down everything, you know, that was happening in their life. Um, so, uh, so that happened. And then different things. They connected to a local church called Pure Heart Christian Fellowship there in, in, in uh, Glendale, wonderful church. And Robert began to, Robert and Cynthia began to lead small groups. And they were very uh, instrumental in the work that was going on there. Um, so, so God, you can see how in his providence he he gives people a platform. Everyone has a platform, amen? amen. It's what we use it for. And, and so, uh, so recently, recently they have started a ministry on Facebook. And I mentioned that. And I want you guys to expand on that because not only are you guys ministering to a couple of people, but it goes statewide. There's people from different states. And you recently, Cynthia, did a, a, uh, a, a one-week uh, devotion on marriages, and can you kind of give us a little bit of insight on that? Because let me, can I say this? God restored your marriage miraculously, Amen. and uh, this couple right here were the were the poster uh, children of of how not to do marriage. With they were on the bottom of Shauna and I probably, and then, and then when Christ came into their lives, they were the poster couple of how you do marriage. Because Jesus transforms lives. And they were, again, on the bottom of Shauna and I. Or maybe, maybe we were tied. I don't know. Um, God has a, has a plan, right? So, Cynthia, maybe you can talk to us about Facebook uh, and, and how God has kind of orchestrated that. 
Okay, so <clears throat> with the uh, marriage, and I'll let my husband tell his part of, you know, how we started and it, and all of that good stuff. But um, so we, for those of you that are on our Facebook, and there are some of you in this church that we know and are on our Facebook page, um, it, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that you don't see. You know, you have private messaging on Facebook. So when we post our prayers and our devotions, um, for the most part, we have a lot of people from our hometown. And, and again, no condemnation. We love everyone. But in my hometown, it's very traditional Catholic. And they, my dad used to tell me that I was going to hell for going to a Christian church. So that's kind of the mentality, uh, very traditional. And so when we started posting our prayers and our devotionals, we started getting a lot of responses from people. And we basically find ourselves ministering to a lot of people not in Phoenix, but outside of Phoenix. So I had received a private message <clears throat> after a post that I had put from a person in my hometown who said, was asking us, can you please send me something on how to be a better Christian wife? And can you please send me something on how <clears throat> um, to have a better relationship with my husband? And so when somebody messages you like that, you really kind of have to get to the nitty-gritty before you can try to help them. So I'm very careful in how I ask people, so what's going on? And this person was very open with me and said that she was very private and they didn't like sharing their stuff. And so I told her, well, that's what the enemy wants. Long story short, she shared with me and so it ended up we talked for two hours. Um, I've been talking to her faithfully every Sunday and she's been messaging me when things are happening. And she asked if I would do a marriage uh, uh, series on marriage. So that's where the marriage devotional started and started impacting a lot of people. So. Amen. It's good stuff, too. I read, I've read that. It's fantastic. Amen. I am just so excited to be here. I love Living Word Chapel. You don't even, you guys don't even realize how much I love you. Cynthia, it's so amazing what she's done. God has done so many things. And let me tell you that our marriage is not perfect. Come over for eight hours and we'll prove it to you. Okay? So don't think that two this hours. is all. Two no, hours. Two hours. No prove it to you. Two hours. And, I, and I'll tell you that. And, I, and it's like that. In every, there's no perfect marriage. Right. Perfect so I want you to know that this is the first thing we tell any of the couples that call. Or even if we're doing something privately on the side for different issues. And there are a lot. What I left out last service and I wanted to tell you is we are not counselors. We will give you advice biblically, and then we will say, find a Bible-based church, and we know counselors that can help you. I forgot to That's mention good. that last time. Same thing here. Unless you, unless you tell us, I don't want anybody to know about this, then we'll keep it to ourselves, but we are going to pray for you, um, and, and, and hopefully we meet with a lot of people, not, not only on FaceTime or on speaker time, but we got people actually calling us. And it all started from a simple prayer well it's not just a simple prayer god knows our hearts right. so i got up one morning and and we were trying to get a hold of our teenage daughters because it was that time we had led studies many studies and and we were um i don't want to say burned out because we weren't burned out but we were ready to take hold of our daughters we had a couple of issues at home and we needed to take care of that so i said i gotta keep doing something i gotta stay busy so i posted a prayer one morning and the next morning the next afternoon when I got home, I looked at it, and it had blown up. There were just people, can you pray for me? Can you do this? And then the private messages were just incredible. So I told Cynthia, wow. And then, so then I took a new job, and it got really busy. 
And I'm not saying because you get busy, step away from the church, step away from what you're doing. I got busy and I said, I need help. I was crying out to God. And then I told my wife, I can't do this. And she goes, I can do it. And I was like, yes. And I, I told James that I couldn't be her pastor. I'd been trying to get her into the word, but she just wouldn't listen. Well, I'm her husband. You know, you know come on, you guys are married. Be real. Sometimes your husband says something to you, like, whatever. You know? But we got to understand. Not in Living Word Chapel, maybe right, another church. Right. But our church. <laughs> you have to understand. You have to understand that a marriage is two. We become one. Okay? So my wife said that, and I was excited. So now my wife, when you see those devotionals or you see those prayers, and she's got, we, we put our names. I posted the prayer today, hon. I said, yes. How many likes did God get? It's good. Okay? Not how many likes did we get because we didn't want to do social media. There's a lot of bad stuff out there, but guess what? That bad stuff, those people, those sinners are looking for someone to talk to. I was looking for someone to talk to. Pastor James tried. I said, get lost. But he was very persistent. And thank God because I'm here where I'm at. So another thing that I wanted to share with Jamie is we still are under our covering for the church. It's very important to stay in church. If you've been away from church, please come back. It is important to fellowship with other people that love God. Amen. 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 Now, how important, and then we'll close with this, the last one. How important were the small groups to you guys, to your, to your life as a, as a believer? Small groups are very important. Cynthia and I led a few, many large small groups, and um, we learned through that that um, if you are a church and you're in unity, and your pastor or your uh, youth minister, whoever it may be, say, hey, maybe you should start a small group. You should start a small group. Or if you're not in one, get in a small group because it is so important. It is beautiful. I love to minister to people. But when I get around other people, those, sometimes those people minister to me. Amen. And so it's important. If you're not in one, get in one. I know that they have information on the back in that. And if you guys need to, go back there. I didn't even know he was going to be talking about small groups today, but I will tell you one thing. It's very dear to my heart. It's important, you know, and even at our church, Pastor Dan says, I'm going to be off tomorrow, but if you need anything, call your small group leader. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> you can call your small group leader, and they can minister to you. Amen. Now, if they start saying something not, that's not right and you think it's not right, well, then you get a hold of Pastor James, and he will take care of it. But it will be Outside where the small group can't see, and it's just Pastor James and that small group leader. Amen. And that's how it works. And we love small groups, so if you're not in one, please get in one. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. Love you guys. Give them a big hand, everybody. Can you answer the question of uh, what do you do when you're put on the spot about your faith? What do you do when someone says, are you a Christian? What is it about you? You know, there's something different. Um, every Christian, every Christ follower will face that one day or another. And to some, it's a dilemma. Like, what do I do now? And to some, it's an opportunity. Like, let me tell you what, what God can do. Um, the early church, because we're talking about the church was, was birthed by the, the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were transformed. They, they were walking in, in the attributes of God, and, and they were tr- completely different people. They, 
began to experience some pretty awesome things. For example, Peter and John, as soon as the Holy Spirit was poured out, they went to the temple to pray. And as they're going in there, there's a lame man that had been placed at the gate beautiful for years every day. And Peter comes upon him and he looks at him and he says to, to, the, to the man, he says, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Now that lame man was expecting some kind of benevolence, some kind of money. But the disciples gave him something that the world can't offer. You see, that benevolence would have been temporary, but what the disciples gave was eternal. They gave him not only physical health, but they gave him spiritual wholeness. And so Jesus, uh, when he's in our life, you begin to find out that, that he does things in us. He restores marriages. He, he changes lives. He, he brings people out of bondage, and he, and he begins to change us. But here's what I want us to grab a hold of today, that not everyone is going to be delighted or approve of what you're doing. Not everyone was applauding the disciples when they healed this layman. And it takes us back to the words of Jesus when he said, blessed are you when people insult you and they persecute you and they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. It tells us that because Jesus is God, because he knows everything, he tells his followers that there will be times that you will be persecuted. There will be times that people are not going to be ecstatic about what you're doing. And last week, we found out that the Holy Spirit was poured out and it, and it empowered these believers so that they could communicate clearly. So that they would have words that are not human words, but words with the power of the living God, and, and lives were changed. And not only that, the fire of God came upon them, and that fire ignited them so that they were passionate about their faith. How many of us in here are passionate about our faith in Jesus? You can't be passionate without the Holy Spirit. You can't be passionate about God working in you without the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you're dumbfounded or you're here and you're, you're just not able to, to, to stand up for the faith, it's because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you. Amen? But today, what I want us to, to find out and learn is that not only did the Holy Spirit come and change their speech and communication, and not only did the Holy Spirit come and ignite a fire in them, but the Holy Spirit also gave them courage to stand. And that's what I want for us to grab a hold of. I want to go to the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And I want us to read that as our, as our text. That's going to be the central text of my message. And let me pray. Father, thank you for every person here in this second service, Lord God. Every one individual is important to you. And so I just pray that as I, as I speak uh, this message, as I give this to them, Lord, that, that their hearts will be open, not because of me, but because it is your word. And I pray that this message will be your message and, and that hearts will be 
touched and lives will be changed and that people will get courage to stand in a world that tries to make us falter. So we pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. So the, the Bible starts out saying, so they called the apostles back, they being the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they called the apostles back in and they commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. So the Sanhedrin, the same people that sent Jesus to the cross, instead of applauding these disciples, Peter and John, they actually command them not to talk about Jesus anymore. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. So Peter and John had this complete different paradigm shift in their, in their thinking. They, before Peter had denied Jesus, now he's standing up for Jesus. Before John was a very timid person, now he's standing with Peter. And they're saying, we will not deny the Lord, but we will stand for the Lord. So I put three things together that I think will help us. This week, this day, and in the coming month, to be able to stand in our faith. Amen? So point number one, we need to realize that your faith in Christ will be challenged. The disciples, they lived in constant pressure. I want you to think about the Roman society. They were chasing the fast life. They loved action. Entertain me at any cost. Think about the Colosseum. Anyone ever uh, uh, been to Rome or you, you, you've heard about the Colosseum in Rome? And they, they had the, the gladiators. They had wars to the death. And they applauded. So they sat and they, give us entertainment. Kill them, kill them, kill them. Right? Christians were fed to the lions and all kinds of things were going on. Romans lived in the mentality of what we now call sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That was their mentality. They wanted the fast life. Give me the fast track. Now, that's not the end. The religious leaders, they were stuck in their own interpretation of the law. They were so stuck with that that they did not recognize their Messiah. And they put the Messiah on the cross. Have anyone been looking at the AD uh, series on NBC? Most of us should be. You see the religious leaders, how they're stuck. And, 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 and they, they interpreted the law in, in their own ways, but they missed the Messiah. Christ threatened both of these. Jesus is a threat to sex, drugs, and rock and roll because at the end of the day, that will leave you empty. But Christ came to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can be whole. Let me tell you something, beloved. There's someone in here. You need to know Christ came to make you whole. The other stuff leaves you empty. Now, Christ is a threat to religion because at the end of the day, he did not come to establish another religion. He came to restore our broken relationship with God. He did not come to abolish the law because the law is perfect and good. He came to fulfill the law, something that we are incapable of doing. 
So if you live your life by rules and regulations, guess what? You're set up to fail. But if you live your life through the grace and the power of Jesus, your life will be fulfilled because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The pressure that they felt, okay, from the religious leaders, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, because of the lame beggar. He wasn't the issue. The issue was that Christ was messing up their religion. I want you to think about the testimony we heard earlier. Can I tell you, when you get saved and you get free in the grace of Christ, religion gets really upset. Robert and Cynthia were talking from a perspective that they have lived this. They've, they've walked in it where they came out of a, 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 a bondage of the law into the freedom of Christ. They were regular church attenders. If you knew uh, Robin Cynthia as myself, regular church attenders, but there was no change in their life because they were doing things through religiosity instead of through the freedom of Jesus Christ. There's a big difference. There's, there was pressure uh, from the Romans for these disciples, and it had nothing to do with Peter and John, per se. It had everything to do with the conviction that comes through God's Spirit about the lifestyles of people you're around. You, as a Christian, will go around people, and they will sometimes feel uncomfortable, and it's not because of you. It's because of the Spirit that dwells in you. For five years, my best friend, the guy that I hung with, who loved to be around me, he didn't want nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the devil that didn't want him to hear the good news, just like when Jesus came into my life. He had to take the scales off. Amen? The Bible says... Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. So as Christians, we're caught in the middle. We usher in the aroma of Christ to a world that so desperately needs life, but it doesn't smell the same to all people. To some people, I mean, you are like the best-smelling aroma, and to some people, you are not. And that's because the enemy doesn't want them to come to faith. Amen? Has nothing to do with the, you know, Gucci perfume you have on or anything has everything to do with who you serve. Now, I went and watched a movie this week. It was a chick flick, so I, you know, my wife said, let's go watch this. And it's called The Longest Ride. And it's about a bull rider. It's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great movie. It touched my sensitive side. <laughs> and, uh, and so as we're watching the movie, that, 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 uh, the actor said something, uh, said a statement, this bull rider said a statement that echoes the truth about everybody, especially Christians. He said this, it's not a matter of if a bull rider will be injured, it's a matter of when 
a bull rider will be injured. You see bull riders get on these bulls that weigh 3,000 pounds plus. You get on those things, you will be hurt. It's just a matter of when you're going to be hurt, right? Well, the Bible says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. It's not if you will be persecuted, it is when you will be persecuted. You see, beloved, as you submit to God and you walk with Christ and God begins to change your life, there will be some people that are not going to be happy about the changes that are going on in your life. But here's the most important thing. God will. Your family will. I used to have homies that used to call me on the phone when I first got saved. In that five-year period that Robert was talking about, they would call me and say, dude, we like the old James better. I said, I know you do, bro, but my wife really likes this new guy. My kids are really enjoying this guy, bro. And so as the time came on, here's another man that came to God. And most of our friends are coming to Christ. You have to understand that you will be persecuted when you walk with the Lord. How do we apply this, Pastor? What's the application? Number one, don't freak out. This week, if you face persecution for your faith, if you're not getting any persecution, then you need to freak out. Because that means that you're acting a lot like the world. Amen? Don't freak out this week if you face persecution for your faith. The Chronological Life Application Study Bible puts it like this. Although the evidence was overwhelming and irrefutable, changed lives, and a healed man... The, re- the religious leaders refused to believe in Christ and continued trying to suppress the truth. Don't be surprised if some people reject you and your positive witness for Christ. When minds are closed, even the clearest presentation of the facts can't open them. But don't give up either. Pray for those people and continue to spread the good news. The second application, your greatest offense... And your greatest defense is prayer. Greatest thing that you can do for people, the greatest thing you can do for yourself is pray. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Prayer is a game changer. I I, I just wanted my husband to become religious. That's all. And then he freaked me out. Be careful what you pray for. He went from a vato loco beat him up to a vato on fire for Jesus. For a man of integrity. He went from a liar. And I can say this because I knew my homeboy and because I that was that same person. He went from a liar to a person on fire for Christ. Remember from a guy that you can't trust to a guy that is trustworthy because of Christ. Prayer changes lives. The Lord gave me this. Prayer strengthens the hearts of believers and it also cultivates the hearts of unbelievers. It comforts and stirs at the same time. 
When you're going through some difficult times, if you pray, God will comfort your heart. And then as those people that are very difficult, that are, that are coming at you, you pray for them and God will work and he'll cultivate their souls. You keep talking about them. You keep saying how bad they are, how you hate them. Can I tell you, God says, I got you where I need you. You need to keep being there until you learn to pray for them and love them. Point number two, don't let the pressure muzzle the message. The pressure of the religious leader was, leaders I'm sorry, was on Peter and John. And the, crest, the question is, would they, would they speak or squirm? Peter had denied the Lord. Now he was going to stand for the Lord. They said to their accusers, as the accusers came upon them, and they said, don't speak anymore in this name of Jesus. They said, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And you have to put yourself in their shoes, beloved. They were going before the Sanhedrin. If you've been watching AD, you see that they perfectly portray the Sanhedrin. You see Caiaphas, the religious leaders. You see how this religious power was on there. They turned uh, they turned the, the mob of people when Pontius Pilate said, I find no sin with this man. There's nothing wrong. He's done nothing wrong worthy of crucifixion. It was the Sanhedrin. It was the religious leaders that said, crucify him. Crucify him. And the mob said, because of the pressure, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. These disciples were in front of these same people. But they weren't the same disciples that they were when Jesus was with them because the Holy Spirit had come in and changed their life. And that's exactly what you need to understand, beloved, is that God will come in and he'll change your life. And the disciples were not anti-authority. Are you with me? God never called us to be rebels, but God called us to spark a revival. The Holy Spirit, as he works in us, the Bible says about the believers that they turned the world upside down. Only God can do that. They turned their world upside down. People are like, oh my goodness. See, I believe with all of my heart that we, because we're christ people that we can change our communities for the better. I believe that with all my heart that we can change families for the better. I believe that we can make individuals better, not in our strength, but through the power of the living God. God wants to do that in your life. God wants to change your circumstance. God wants to, God wants to pour his spirit in you and, and, and make you someone that you can never be on your own. I love the way that, uh, that, that Holman's commentary puts it. It says, the Sanhedrin, they could have brought back several judgments with which Peter and John would likely have complied because they were solid Jewish citizens. But they were told to do one thing they could not. Stop speaking in Jesus' name. A clear choice, obey civil authorities or God. For Peter and John, this was no choice. They knew what they had seen and heard. 
when people come at you and they want to muzzle the message of God, you stand up because you have seen the power of God working in your life and the power of God working through people's lives. God has not called you to be a rebel, but God has called each of us to spark a revival, and the revival starts with us. The Global Study Bible put it like this. Peter realized the impossibility of obeying this order. We cannot but speak. Believers cannot obey authorities when such authorities prohibit preaching the gospel or require Christians to disobey God's commandments. Can I tell you, beloved, there were 21 Christians, 21 Christians there in Egypt that were beheaded because they will not deny Jesus Christ. There are people that stand for their faith. This faith that we have is true. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is alive and well. Jesus will change your circumstance because he is God. Have you ever realized that we all have people in our life that are trying to put pressure on us to muzzle the message of God? See, Cynthia and Robert didn't tell you this. There's just so much to this story, but I can inter interject this because it's very powerful. So when I walked in to the casino, the real casino in Las Vegas, where, where, we, where we ended up in the same room together because our cousin, another first, we have a lot of cousins. Well, a cousin, she sang at the real casino, so they got us a, a huge suite. Ain't that interesting that Robert and Cynthia and Shauna and I were in the same room? But when I walked in the door, the first person that I saw was Cynthia's father. And his words to me were not, Mijo, it's good to see you. His first words to me were, Mijo, your religion is not going to help you here. <laughs> and I said, Uncle Nick, Uncle Nico, you're right. Religion doesn't help you here. But my God will. The end, the end of that little chapter is that her, his son-in-law gave his life to Jesus. You see, there will always be people in your life that will try to muzzle the message. And we had four hours together talking about the life-changing message of Jesus. And Robert gave his life to Christ. I, I love the way that, that, that the, uh, again, the chronological life application study Bible, it says, we may sometimes be afraid to share our faith in Christ because people may feel uncomfortable or reject us. But, it, but Peter and John's zeal for the Lord was so strong that they could not keep quiet even when threatened. If your courage to witness for God has weakened, pray that your boldness may increase Remember Jesus' promise, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Amen. The greatest person that you should always acknowledge is Jesus Christ. I love talking about Shauna in a good way. Don't, I love saying this is my wife, and I believe she loves saying this is my husband. But there's one that we love talking about more, and that's our Savior. Amen? Amen? 
Can I tell you that when we publicly stand for Christ, he stands for us in heaven in front of all the heavenly hosts and all the angels, and he says, that's my guy. That's my girl. Life is too short, and eternity is too long. If you're living your life trying to please people and doing things for people, you're going to find out that people are fickle. They love you one day, and they'll hate you the next. Stand for Christ because he loves you every day of your life. Pastor, how do I apply this? What do I do? You trust the Holy Spirit to give you the courage you need in the presence of those who put pressure on you to muzzle the message. Simple. Holy Spirit, as you go into a, a building, as you go into a workplace, as you go into your friends at school, you say, Holy Spirit, I am going to trust you to give me boldness so that I will not shy away from the one who saved me. I love the way that the, the missionary Jim Elliott, who was speared by headhunters in Ecuador, while serving there as a missionary, he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You give your life to Jesus, you'll never lose it. You try to keep everything in the world, you're not going to take nothing with you. Point number three, last point. Someone say amen. amen. La Casita's waiting for us or somewhere. <laughs> Point number three, you don't have to stand alone. Notice that Peter and John, they went to the temple, how? Together. Notice that John was with Peter when he prayed for the lame man. Notice that Peter and John, they faced their opposition together. In fact, if you read the whole context, that chapter, you'll find that the, 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 the religious leaders were in awe because of the wisdom in the way that they talked, and they knew that they had been with Jesus. The church was established so that you would not stand alone in your faith. The disciples joined themselves together and they faced adversity together because we are better together. Yesterday we had 50 men, 50 men that went to this men's mini retreat. And, and you know what? Put the ribs and the, and the uh, oh my goodness, pulled pork green chili and the tortillas and all. Put that aside. That was super over the top, man. Put that aside. The heavens are opened when men of God get together and they worship and they fellowship. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ed, for opening up your home. God has blessed you with that home. The Apostle Paul, as he describes his life in leading the church, he uses a plural form. Paul never said, I, I, I in this. this is, I love it. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Notice the, notice the plural. 
Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. The emphasis on we should help us to grasp the fact that we stand better together. Every time that I call this man of God, and believe me, we talk a lot. We need to talk more, but we, whenever I'm going to something, Rob, I'm going to something, pray for me. Why? Because we're better together. This man of God right here says, Steve Drake, that leads our worship, we're better together. I am blessed to have him on our team. All of us together, we are better together. We need God, but we also need each other. How do we apply this, Pastor, the last point? Number one, you make the Sunday morning worship experience a priority. We need to worship together. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in your midst. So as we come and we worship him, he's here with us, and God wants us to come together. The Bible says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but we need to encourage one another. Notice that? When we come together, what do we do? We encourage one another. Lily, you encourage me by being here. George, you, you encourage me by being here. <laughs> Love you, bro. Jesse, you encourage me by being here. Butch, you've encouraged me today. Frank, you are an encouragement to me today. All of us together, we, we, we pick each other up. We strengthen each other. Th that, if you're new here today, you're an encouragement to the body of Christ. Amen? God doesn't want for you to do life on your own. And hear me. What Cynthia said makes so much, it should make such, such an impact. Cynthia, B.C., because of all the hurt, because her dad abused her, her mom and beat her and everything. Cynthia had an innate, uh, it, was, it was not innate, but it was actually developed because of her life and, and the things that had happened. That she hated men because of what they, had happened. And her, her advice to girls that would call her, I know that because her and Shauna were, the, I'm going to say this, they were feminist. <laughs> Anything you can do, we can do better. Anything you can do, I can tell you. I don't know the song, but I'm making it up. <laughs> and her advice, BC, was leave them or beat them up. The only one that could give Robert a pretty decent fight was Cynthia. So people are always going to do things together. The, the, the difference is, beloved, is if you go to the wrong people for advice, they're going to lead you down a road that will break up your family and break up your relationship with God. But if you get around people who love God, now they're calling her This is beautiful. Now they're calling her up and they're saying, my marriage is a mess. I had an affair. What do I do? And Cynthia says, this is what God tells us to do. You need to be honest 
And you need to bring it to your husband and let God begin to restore the relationship. You need to bring it to the light and not live in the darkness. And let me tell you, God, he wants to save every marriage, but the people have to be in agreement. And I love what she said. She said in, in, her, in her talk that if they will listen, because if they won't listen, she'll say, you know what, maybe you need to go someplace else because this is what God says. And if you're not going to do it, I can't help you. Here's the thing about small groups is that in our small groups, sometimes a, loved, a, a Christian loved one might tell you something that you don't want to hear, but you probably need to hear. And that's what helps us grow into the glory of Christ. You hungry? Is Jesus good? Because I'm done. God is good. Let's pray. Thank you, God. God Almighty, thank you that you love me with an unfailing and unconditional love. I need your strength to help me stand for Jesus in a world that is full of pressure. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit to help me in my weakness and temptations. I choose today to depend on you, Holy Spirit, to overcome the pressures of life and to be a witness who brings glory to the name of Christ. I choose to represent him this week in my world without being ashamed or embarrassed because I know that Jesus Christ is not ashamed to testify of his love for me in heaven. So Lord, may the banner of Christ, may it be waved openly in my life. Today, tomorrow, this week, and forever. I pray this in the powerful, the name that is above all names, the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God is good. Let's all worship him together. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.